Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. In today's episode, I speak with John Maynard, who is the Chief Executive of Adama Security. John's had a fantastic career in some huge blue chip tech organizations such as Hewlett Packard and Cisco. And uh, he then made the shift from that corporate world into running a relatively small 300 people or so highly growth um, growing business in the cybersecurity area. And this conversation, we get into that shift. What did it look like? What was the learnings as he made the shift from the Fortune 100 companies into the small and medium-sized business and taking on the CEO role? We look at the thing that helped him prioritize his time between the different stakeholder groups, uh, and especially the, the stakeholders he overlooked and didn't spend quite enough time with during his first few months. And we also talk about the employer value proposition in the tech market, especially the cybersecurity market. Talent is rare and sought after. And so thinking about how, as an employer, do you build a culture, do you build a value proposition that distinguishes you in the market? It's really important. So enjoy this conversation with John Maynard, the CEO of Adama Security. Hi, John, and welcome to the show. Richard, thanks for having me. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you, John. Um, I know that we are um, we are both ex Cisco um, alumni, so I know we've just talked a little bit about that. Um, but now you are a CEO, chief executive of Adama Security, which looks like it's a really interesting, high growth uh, cybersecurity company. So, why don't you perhaps just start by telling us, just very quickly, you know, what's what is Adama? Just what's its rough size and what's happening in it, and you know, and what perhaps what attracted you into that company given your previous roles. Yeah, sure. Hey, I'm very happy to do so. So, um, yeah, actually CEO of Adama Security for for now one year. Um, and Adama Security is a UK-based provider of security consulting engineering services and managed security services. So effectively what we're doing is we're running security operation centers for large enterprises in the UK, you know, really trying to detect and hunt for threats, cyber threats in, 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 their, in their, their organizations. Um, and, you know, I left uh, fairly large, you know, large organizations, as you mentioned, Cisco being one of them, you know, to, to really take the, the helm at uh, Adama Security, you know, background in uh, Cisco systems, you know, global roles at Cisco, uh, global roles at uh, HP. Uh, and, uh, and before that, for my sins, I was uh, in investment banking at, at KPMG and, and JP Morgan. And and really, you know, this uh, leaving big companies and big structures and, mm. uh, you know, organizations that are, you know, well-funded and well-invested to, to really think about how you, how you scale uh, and drive an organization in the cybersecurity space is what really attracted me, uh, you know, really, really taking an organization and, uh, and driving a scale-up strategy, you know, to mm. really take some of these offerings and capabilities, uh, not just in wider in the UK, but also uh, to expand the company internationally. 
yeah, it's really different, isn't it? Taking you know a company like Cisco where everything's so huge, and even if you've got a, C- or a senior role, there's still a lot of other moving parts, right? And then going into that CEO role where the book really stops stops with you in many ways. Very much so, and you you, you realize in that transition, you know, it's definitely a roll roll your sleeves up type of role. You know, <clears> you, you look <throat> for the cavalry sometimes when you're you know, you want to get stuff done or, you know, you've got a strategic imperative that needs to be executed, you know, in, in Cisco, you know, or HP, bigger organizations, you've got this kind of organizational inertia, you know, where it takes time to get stuff changed and you're moving a juggernaut, you know, and uh, that takes time in itself, but, you know, you've got a team of people that will get stuff done for you. Whereas in a, in a mid-sized small company, you know, you, you look around and, you know, it's you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or it might be, yeah. you know, a handful of people. So um, it's a really different, different way of leading and it, and it uh, it's a different style of leadership and uh, you know it's a different way of working to be honest as a leader it, it's and it's not for everybody i've um i came across a number of people in my time who kind of said oh you know we're not sure we want somebody from cisco right um or a large company because just what you said we're not sure they're going to be able to cope with this kind of um roll your sleeves up you don't have all these resources you don't have global marketing global legal global procurement global you know whatever it is to support you um you're gonna have to to do it and I think um uh, it never directly applied to me because I was always in kind of what you might call um um slightly more entrepreneurial roles within Cisco that required me to roll on my sleeves anyway in, in yeah. many ways but um I have heard that from multiple people right that it can be quite hard to make that transition um but in your case it was was that actually a was that a surprise uh, how much you had to roll up your hands or was it what's you were actively looking for so um so, so it's interesting because it was a big part of the interview process with the the chairman and and the board of directors and and with the investor you know we're private equity owned so private equity investor um and you and you're absolutely spot on right you know it's very uh, it's very difficult to make that transition if you're if you're not prepared and you're not aware of the the change in in uh, you know both in less about worth ethic but how to get the job done and how to to bring a team along with you you know big matrixed organization is very very different to a you know a small or mid-sized company um so so we kind of went in into this opportunity kind of open eyes uh, and and being very aware i think i think even even with that up front it still shocked me, <laughs> you know, the amount of, um, and I think some of that, Richard, is maybe not having uh, the complete team around you, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the number one thing for me coming into a to a role like this is is to build a team that can can take, uh, and and that might be a, you know, it's a blend of existing and, and maybe new people, but but really to take the organization to you know to the next phase and to align with the strategy mm-hmm. and direction. So you, you you sort of you, you're in a new role, you're in a, a different environment, you're in a different size and a different structure. Um, and there's a need to you know execute in the short term, right? Because expectations are you're going to come in, you're going to make a difference. Yeah. And I think there's a there's a real risk, I think, for some of the bigger leaders in bigger organizations coming into this this type of environment that that you um you don't optimize for long-term, medium term, building the team, driving short-term results. And and that's where I see people perhaps you know failing in that transition or or struggling in that transition, because that's that's quite a complex uh, mix of things to try and solve for. So you're saying that people would you mean not deliver in the short term? They'd be too busy investing, or the other? Or, or they go the other way and they or the other way, yeah, both, focus right. on the short term. You know, focus yeah. on getting in the detail, focus on making short term impact versus actually 
you know, focusing on the long, long-term direction, long-term strategy, you know, really focusing on that competitive differentiation, you know, and, and that sustainable advantage that you really need yeah. in a business like this as you, yeah. as you scale up. Um, so it's making sure that you don't oscillate one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's interesting. Um, we call this season the CEO learning curve and I've written a, a short um, email series actually um, um, I think it's in the show notes even on it around the CEO learning curve I talk about three things that every CEO really needs to kind of um, get right um, in that curve and number one is exactly what you said is balancing the short term with the long term because because of both things right you know you can't necessarily um, just focus on the long term and people you know and people are waiting for this mythical future that never arrives right but equally it's very very easy to kind of get snarled into all the the firefighting all the operational stuff and fail to actually give the company the the structural clarity that it needs in order to to kind of get out of its current loop with whatever that is that it's it's on yeah so, absolutely yeah. and you know it's a very much part of my you know hiring my leadership team and hiring next layer of below is to is to help people with that transition, you know, and that might be, mm. you know, smaller, smaller organizations where this is a bigger organization for, for them. And that might be an investment in their, you know, their career and their leadership capabilities, or it might be a bigger, uh, you know, person that's used to a bigger mm. organization going down. So it's, it's definitely, it's top of mind for me as I, I start to, uh, to invest in, in the teams that uh, they're helping me drive, drive what we need to get done. So how, how would you do that concretely? Like, you know, um, how, how would you, what would be your recommendation for somebody CEO coming in who's looking to balance the short and the long term? Yeah, I, I, so so I think it's um, it, it's so first of all, you know, I, I look for uh, you know the attributes of. It's very easy to say, you know, I want someone that can roll their sleeves up and that's used to get, you know, that can get the job done and go into the detail if they need to or step back. But actually, you know, getting solid examples from from candidates of, you know. It, it's quite easy to hide in a big company, you know, and be a top performer to be, to be perfectly frank. Um, so it's a really getting, you know, you mentioned it at the, at the outset of, of this podcast, right. You know, being a, in a smaller entrepreneurial part of a big company is very different than, than maybe being a, you know, a big cog in a big organization. Um, you yeah. know, and that's very much my background, you know, emerging cybersecurity uh, kind of parts of the organization that are, are trying to do things differently in a big company, you know, that's very challenging. You, you know, you're questioning the, the status quo, you're, you're building new organizational uh, designs, you're, you're hiring different types of people, you know, Cisco very much for me was, you know, hardware and software to SaaS and cloud services. So that's a very different type of person. It's a different yeah. um, way of seeing the world. And so, you know, there's a whole load of stuff that that happens as you, as you try and you know, change a big company from, from the inside. And so I look for, you know, someone that can give me evidence and to talk to examples of where they've directly impacted change rather than necessarily been a recipient of change. You know, I think that's, that's something I look for directly. Yeah. That's nice. Like it's a good, it's a good example. So what are the biggest, so I guess we've started to get into what it looked like as you, you got into the role um, one of the surprises being quite how much you had to roll up your sleeves, right, and do that. Um, what were the other surprises, perhaps, that you encountered? You know, what are the other things of the CEO learning curve that that, that you, you you came face to face with? I'm going to say uh, stakeholder management 
Um, I think that's another one on my list. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing well. You haven't paid you, honestly. You know, and that's, you know, if, you, if you're, if you're, and again, I'm going to use the, the difference between a big company and a small company, right? You know, big company, you know, if you're in a senior role, you know, you're used to presenting to, you know, the, the lead, executive leadership team or maybe the board or, you know, you, you've, you've had experience of engaging with yeah. executive leadership teams. You might be part of that team. Um, you know, but actually, when you when you go into a mid-sized organization, and you know, you've maybe got a you know one investor, two investors. You might, you know, in my case, I've got co-founders. I've got you know different a whole different set of stakeholders. Um, it can be quite you know, there's so much value that you can get out of those stakeholder groups coming in. You know, there's inherent learning. You know, there's different perspectives with different businesses. There's um, you know, diff- there's ideas of of, of how yeah. you know, your, your job could be easier or what we could do to help you, you know, so actually coming in, soliciting those ideas from, from those key stakeholders, you know, and the employee base is a stakeholder, the existing leadership is a, a key stakeholder, but I'm specifically about the investor in the board level, um, you know, just trying to harness that, you know, get best practice, get some ideas, building that, those relationships, right. That board, you know, an effective board is critical with it, with an effective chairman and an effective executive and non-executive team. You know, I think one thing I underestimated Richard, to be quite honest, is the amount of time that that consumes from a CEO, Um, you know, and, and, but it's, but it's absolutely valuable time, you know, and it's, um, it's time well spent, but it's this, um, you know, this focus on, I've got to run the business. I've got to change the business. I've got to manage the stakeholders um, and I've got to effectively uh, build the strategy and the vision whilst also executing in the short term, you know, that, that whole sequencing and how you start to think about, you know, when you're in the chair, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And this is the plan for the first six months, yeah. you know, don't overlook the stakeholder management and, uh, and make sure that you give it the investment that it needs, I think is probably m- one of the big learnings that I have. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I often ask my clients um, something like, you know, what's the one phone call that you need to make that's going to change everything at the moment? Because yeah. often we get so doing so many operational things, there's like one conversation that would actually make the biggest impact, right? Or um, one decision to take. I think that's a great way. That's a great way of looking at it, right? Because you, the biggest, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing for a, for a CEO or a leader, you know, time is scarce, and makes making sure that that time is is put to to the biggest effectiveness mm. is is absolutely critical. You can find yourself being dragged into the weeds, to be honest, and dragged yeah. into things that you probably shouldn't be doing. To being very cognizant of is this the best use of my time? You know, and constantly asking yeah. yourself that question is is really, really, really mm. critical. I mean, another one which which um, you might well like to play with yourself is um, thought about running the business. And obviously, in one level, the CEO's role is to run the business. But you could say that your job is to run the business of running the business. My, is... my yeah, it's really it's really interesting, right? How you you know my my job is to um, almost make myself redundant. To be quite honest, you know, if I can build the team under, underneath me you know, I, you know, set the strategy, set the vision, set the direction, but actually build the team that can execute without me, you know, that's effectively what my job is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's really hard, I think, especially because most people get used to, you know, as, as you're going up in the organization, you know, there's a moment when you're like this high performer and everyone depends on you and relies on you. And it's quite a good feeling, but I think actually to go beyond, you know, as you go higher, you actually have to become less, uh, essential in a way um because that's how you get out of being a bottleneck and how you yeah. 
uh, and that's that, you know you know i think my certainly over the last 12 months um you know i, I fight that every day in myself my own psyche yeah. you know yeah. my you know you know i've had, had different i've been very fortunate to have different levels of experience and different functional roles you know from sales from you know for, from product management strategy to operations um and that's great you know certainly for a ceo role because you, you can see the 360 picture and you've had experience in, in in the majority of the functions that you're you're now in in um you know in, in driving the leadership of but also there's a risk that you you dive in too much and you yeah. you know you and actually you should be stepping back it doesn't mean you shouldn't inspect and you know you, you, but yeah. but actually resisting the urge to um to drive, dive top down on a, on a lot yeah. of these things yeah you, know, you really really got to make sure that you empower the team and, and let the team execute yeah i read an article actually it reminds me of course about ceo decisions and saying that actually you know what decisions should a CEO be making? And obviously the first one is, well, you can't do anything that's functional because you've got a functional team for that, right? The second one is you can't do this anything that's cross-functional because otherwise you're becoming the referee, you know, an arbiter between two members of your team. You want to get them figuring it out together, right? Rather than you being the arbiter. And so you only start to kind of eliminate all these other things. You go, well, what is it actually? You know, and it becomes around vision, leadership, culture, you know, making sure that, um, yeah, you know, the, the executive team, you know, there's, Best, you know, there's a certain number of areas, but uh, it's not necessarily where most CEOs actually spend all their time, which is that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And it's, uh, you know, getting, you know, getting attuned to that mentality and and all of that is, um, you know, trust as well, right? You know, as as a new executive coming into an organization, you know, trusting the team around you to to be able to deliver and to execute, um, you know, that that's not immediate, you know, and, and actually yeah. that takes some time, but, but, you know, that's the, the function of a whole high performing team, right. That you, you can trust, you know, give them, give a direction, uh, go execute and, and hold accountability. You know, that's, um, you know, that's, and, and to, and to your point, right. Make yourself irrelevant in a way, you know, it's, yeah. um, you know, let the step back, remove obstacles, but let the team execute. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Really interesting discussion. You, you talked around the time requirement around managing the stakeholders and the board. What would your rule of thumb be? You know, if you were to say to a new CEO, look, you need to reserve this many days a week or hours a week. You know, what would, what would your rule of thumb be just for them to plan their, plan their diary? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when I, when I was at uh, Cisco or, or HP, you know, there's a real, and, I, you know, it still holds here, right? There's a real... Um, risk of becoming too internal you know and and not spending enough time with with stakeholders with customers with partners um so i've always kind of driven myself you know a third a third a third is is really how i see it you know a third i want to spend with customers a third i want to spend with partners partners or your ecosystem and, and a third you should be spending internally um you know, I think it depends a little bit on the stage of maturity or the stage of transportation or, or what you're trying to drive in the organization you're in, yeah. but trying to balance and being very conscious, like, you know, am I spending enough time internally? Am I spending enough time externally? You know, is my external uh, relationships to the organization, you know, am, am I managing the investor base, talking to the investors, you know, both existing and future you know, am I talking to customers, both existing and prospects, you know, am I talking to partners, both existing and potential, um, 
you know, being able to kind of slice and dice yourself and make sure that you're spending your time, you know, and then week, week by week, it might oscillate and you might spend more on one or more on the other. Mm. But, um, you know, we're, we're on a monthly board cycle. So we, right. we spend, a, you know, a fair degree of time as a board and, and, a, and with our investors, given the amount of investment that we're making in transforming the business. So we, we spend, you know, yeah. formal time once a month um, you know, that, that, that's typically uh, half a day to a day, depending on what's on the agenda. Um, but we would have probably an update board meeting, maybe an hour uh, or two hours uh, every uh, in between that if we needed it. Um, but I think what is really valuable are the informal, just pick up the phone and have a chat with the investor, you know, pick up the phone, have a chat with the chairman. Um, you know, that, those types of time out of the diary are always well spent. It's Richard here with a quick interlude. As part of my coaching and advisory work, I often work with leaders who have recently taken on the CEO role. It's a big leap from the comfort zone of functional leadership or business unit management. And it opens up a whole new set of stakeholders, pressures, decisions and responsibilities. I found that there are three key things that will make a huge difference in those first quarters. Number one, balancing the operational and the strategic, what I call CEO focus. Number two, establishing credibility, what I call CEO presence. And number three, managing stakeholders, those CEO conversations. I've written a short email series that goes into more detail on the transition to CEO and how you can practically sharpen your CEO focus, solidify your CEO presence and master your CEO conversations. It's insightful and it's entirely free of charge and you can register for it by going to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash curve. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, balancing the formal and the informal, the structured and the, 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 the planned is, it's always a balancing act because you can put in too much or too little structure. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a great one. Hey, let's, I just know time's moving on. I wanted to talk to you about the transformation. You mentioned you've been middle of transforming the business. And I know that you came in during you know, during this pandemic season where there's been a lot of moving to remote work and hybrid work. We had a lot of people talk about literally arriving in the business as lockdown happened or whatever, but that wasn't your case, right? You were kind of coming in and, but there was a lot of telework, remote working and a lot of hybrid work and people having to still adapt to these new ways. Yeah, what's your learning been from that about trying to transform a business where people are still getting used to how they actually do their work? Yeah, so, uh, Richard, it's a great question because it's you know, it's almost uh, we're we're in the kind of the, the testament of our time, right? Around some of the transformation that we've seen in the technology space, you know, and and, mm. and the, the the move to remote working, you know, what, what that's driven from an industry perspective, but also from an employee expectation perspective in terms of what you know what the future of work should look like. So I was a I was a COVID uh, lockdown employee myself. So, uh, you know, I joined the company, uh, you know, in a, in a work from home state, you know, we pretty much had the offices closed for the, the first eight, nine months of my, my tenure. Right. Um, you know, we opened up a little bit, you know, got the team together, managed to get some face to face time with the, with the company, but then, then now we're obviously in a, in a work from home state now. Um, 
and you know one of the one of the things when you're when you're driving you know change and transfer transformation is is clarity of communication you know uh, cadence and um transparency of communication and uh, and and driving you know engagement of teams and employees as as you you know you make some difficult decisions and you know you might disrupt uh structures that have been around for some time you know you you have got to try and get buy in from from teams and uh, and and individuals um you know at a time when you know whether whether people call it the great resignation or you know people moving around and changing and reconsidering what they want to do as uh, as individuals uh you know it's extremely challenging right so we you know we we've, we've been trying to focus on um, the employ- employer value proposition here at Adama, you know, so what do we really want to stand for? How do we differentiate ourselves? How do we accommodate um, and actually drive uh, hybrid working or work from home as a, as a core tenant to our strategy? You know, we actually did open new offices during COVID, you know, we went the mm-hmm. other way. And, and what we did is we, we opened um, an extremely collaborative space, you know, where, where people can come, they can socialize, they can, you know, more of a brain brainstorming kind of place mm-hmm. rather than what you, you would typically associate with an office. Again, very, very well received. Um, you know, just a testament to the fact that the workplace is changing, to be honest. Um, but I think, you know, that employee engagement, communication, transparency, you know, you, you've got to make sure that as an incoming executive team that you're not in an ivory tower, and it, it's very hard, you know, that there's no water cooler kind of conversations. You don't pick up the informal, you know, everything is scheduled via a Zoom call or a, you know, Teams yeah. call or, you know, your yeah. platform of choice. Um, you, you definitely miss out on those types of conversations. So you have to try and find another way to to, to do it. Yeah, it's it's requires a lot of, um, yeah, intentionality, right, to do that. And also, I think some, I think some different structures, Um because you said the, yeah, the random aspect is not really there anymore. Um, so you have to kind of try to try to do interesting other ways. But it's, um, yeah, have, have you, what, what would you say has been your success there? Yeah, what have you been able to do that you looking, I mean, I know it's a complicated thing, right, and it's moving, but what, you know, what's something which you're kind of quite happy that, that you managed to institute? Yeah, so it's a clear, clear expectations, I think, on on what the office is nowadays, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, opening the, the new office was a was a, a signal that, you know, that we, we don't need people in four or five days a week, you know, we, we do have people that, you know, client commitments, or they might work uh, rotations or shifts where, right. you know, there are client expectations for, for some of this. But again, that's changing as well. So, you know, just that, you know, communicating that, we're all going through this. This is new to all of us. And, and actually we, you know, accommodating, um, you know, a hybrid model, you know, if you want to work from home and that's your preferred location, then, then that's fine. You know, I think we see a lot of people that want to spend time in the office and, and to collaborate physically as well. Mm-hmm. So we want to be able to do that. Um, you know, and just being, you know, I think being very conscious that, uh, whilst, you know, productivity and, um, you know, sustainability and security you know we got through it in the short term it's been tough on people's well-being it's been tough on um i think the the relationship with a company you know becomes a bit more transactional in terms of your relationship with your employer so so trying to make it and trying to drive um you know development training um 
career signposting on where people can go here at Adama and give them clarity mm. on on their on their pathways. Um, you know, and just being very clear that um, you know we're all going through the same, and and it takes time to transition. You know, that that's that's te- that's something that's worked. But certainly, you know, we've amplified our communication, and that's you know with uh, re- regular town halls. That's you know how we communicate. Yeah. We want to communicate. You know, through through videos, through short podcasts that we might issue to the organization. You know, people don't want to sit here maybe and, and listen at their desk. They spend a lot of time at their desk. They might want to listen yeah. to it on a on a bike or on a run or you know, and that, that's fine too. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. I think often actually video, as you know, you know, when we were at Cisco, uh, video was the thing because it was, you know, driving a lot, which and it's great, you love video, right? But it's like sometimes you just want to be able to stick some earbuds in or whatever and go for your run yeah. and and uh and not have to be stuck to a screen again just to watch a walk, you know, a speaking head. So <laughs> It's it's a good point. Hey, um, let's go. I'm just aware of time, so let's perhaps move into a little quick fire question round. Just it's always interesting to kind of get a few um, thoughts uh, on on some of these these topics. So, what's a favourite quote that that uh, you, in your leadership? So it's what it's, it's one that actually I keep keep referring to, keep thinking about. Right, um, anyone can hold the helm when the sea is calm. And I think Ada, you know, it really resonates with me, given what we're, what, you know, what we're trying to change and what we're trying to do. You know, you, I think you see it with politicians around the world, with what we're dealing with. You know, it, you, you see the best of people, yeah. and you also see the, the, you know, the challenges that people have as a, yeah. as a leader. Uh, you know, when the sea is not calm. So it, it um, yeah. you know, I keep looking back and saying, okay, that, that's, that's, that's why, yeah. that's why I'm in the role. Yeah, that's, I, I like it. it makes me, I'm smiling because it reminds me of. Um, I always used to say to myself, you know, anyone can ski a black run on a sunny day or whatever. You know, it's like, you know, when the clouds come in that you everyone starts falling over and cursing themselves, you know. Yes, yes. Um, actually, I'll give a bonus quote as well, which was my 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 father was a business owner as well. And he he um he had a great quote, uh, he had a sales background, and his quote was any fool can give it away. <laughs> which I, I think for anyone in sales is a great one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Um so yeah, anyone can hold the helm when the sea is calm. Uh, what about a favorite app what's what's the app you go to on the phone that's you know favorite app that might be better oh it's uh i've got to be honest i'm a bit of a i'm a bit of a news junkie <laughs> so i have multiple uh news applications newspapers and uh you know news aggregators so um you know, I, I'm not one that scrolls social media necessarily. I do like LinkedIn. I've got to be honest. I think it's a great platform mm. for for networking and staying in contact with uh, with people. Um, but but I have a far too many news uh, applications and subscriptions, and I tend to oscillate between between those applications. To be honest, got it, got it. perfect. How about a book that's uh, really influenced you professionally? Oh, there's there's one actually. It really really stands out to me, and it's um. It's by, you know, I lived in the US for, for five years in, in California and I, you know, part of it was, you know, I got into CrossFit and I got into, um, mm-hmm. you know, exercising and, and things like that. But it's also kind of when I, where I shaped some of my, 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 my leadership aspects. Um, and it's a book uh, by uh, an ex uh, SEAL, SEAL Team 3 um, commander who was in Iraq and, you know, commanded a number of te- teams during that that period. And it's a it's a guy called Jocko Willink, and it's called Extreme Ownership. And it, it, I've, it's one of those books, you know, I've read a number of leadership books and, uh, you know, consist, you know, and actually I'll, I'll refer to another one, which is which is really good. Um, but this one, you know, he, he uses, uh, you know, his experience, you know, commanding these troops as part, part of SEAL Team 3, 
um, and 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 turns it into how how you can apply it from a business application perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so this concept of extreme ownership and extreme accountability. You know, very much as a, as a CEO, you know, the buck stops with you, right? As you, as yeah. you said, you know, yeah. just because. Uh, you know, things weren't perfect or the world changed, doesn't matter, you know, yeah. you're still accountable, right? And so lots of concept, I won't go through the principles, but like cover and move um, is a great reference to decentralized command, which is which is what we were talking about, right? Build the team, yeah. set the direction, let them execute and get out of the way. You know, decentralized command is effectively, you know, his militarization right. term for for that. Some really, really mm. good principles and um, really good stories behind it, and that you know they really because when I, yeah. when I start to think about you know leadership principle, I always refer back to that book and they are oh, yeah cover and move. I get that protect the team. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'll check that one out. I've heard of it, I haven't read it. So yeah, really no. good. And then there's another one. Just um, you know, I did an MBA, um, you know, uh, back a few years ago, and so you go back, you know, Harvard Business Reviews and all that sort of stuff. Uh, one, one of the co-founders at Adama introduced me to a book called um, The Age of Competitive Advantage. And, you know, it's really, um, you know, effectively, you know, we all work about, okay, you know, we need to build sustained competitive advantage and then we need to execute and we need to extract, you know, the economic benefit of having mm-hmm. that sustained advantage. You know, this book is about um, effectively the competitive advantage, advantage is transitionary and transitory. Yeah. And so what you're looking to is to try and capture those capture these transitions and and be very agile you know don't build up loads of assets because you have to disengage to catch the next wave it's almost like waves of advantage that you should be thinking of and it's really interesting you know it's how we think how we're now thinking more about okay these are short-term transitions and and, you know how you organize and how you set up and making sure you don't burden the organization with too much process or too many assets you know in one specific advantage area you know, I just think it's a very interesting way of thinking versus what you kind of typically get caught taught at business school. Yeah, nice. What what advice would you give your twenty year old self? Ah, it's quite quite a simple one, really. Don't don't overthink it. You know, I, I you know I, I left university way back when. You know, I wanted to be an investment banker. That's all I wanted to do. It's very strange, but unfortunately, that was the way my mind was wired uh, was I mean, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to yeah. do it for the rest of the life. You know, things change, you know, met my wife, you know, wanted to, um, you know, be an entrepreneur and be a change agent rather than necessarily buying and selling businesses. Mm. Um, but I always wanted to, to be a COO or a CEO. And, you know, I think, um, you know, I had that long-term direction that that's where I wanted to go, but, you know, saying yes to opportunity when it arises, you know, I've, I've managed to work in, in Asia, I've managed to work in the US, I've mm-hmm. worked in different functional roles, and just saying yes to opportunity. And if you've got that kind of, yeah, that's where I want to go. And, you know, the path can meander a little bit, that's, that's fine. So I think it's, don't overthink it and say yes to opportunity. Perfect. What about, um, who do you admire, you know, who's an impactful CEO? that's perhaps made a difference in your life, you know, who'd be a good guest for the show. So there's, there's, there's kind of two that I really admire, you know, they're, they're big company CEOs. So one is uh, uh, Microsoft, Natalia, and that's around, you know, massive turnaround, massive, um, just phenomenal, 
you know, in terms of strategy, direction, capturing opportunity and and changing a large, large organization. Um, you know, as an individual, Brian Humphreys is the CEO of Cognizant. You know, I think he's doing a fantastic job of changing and transforming, you know, Cognizant as an organization, which is, you know, so it's a high performing uh, organization. And then, you know, closer to home, there's an individual who I've been working with, um, who I went to business school with, who took the big jump, you know, while we were at business school, you know, left a big networking organization, not, not the same one, um, and really, you know, launched a fintech and built software as a startup. Uh, it's a guy called Ian Mitra here in the, in the, in the UK, a company called Code. Um, you know, someone like that, you know, really, you know, he took the ball by the horns and, and really just went for it. And, and I think, you know, I'd say the same about, you know, a number of, uh, of individuals that, you know, believe in what they can do, um, mm. you know, step into uncertainty and, and trust yourself to execute, to be honest. Yeah, it's inspiring, isn't it, when people believe in themselves and go for it right and and um and drive it through i guess yeah 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 hey um thank you for these this is great i guess my final question is really you know, no matter how way you know, how far we've got there's always the next level and so what's the next you know as you continue to transform this business you know, at adama and and get the growth that you obviously you've you've come in to to, to generate what are you going to need to personally do differently to multiply your own impact Oh, you saved that very hard question to last, uh, Richard. Oh, yes. there. Yeah. Um, There's always next level, right? What, what yeah, that I, is think, I mean, the, ne- you know, the next level for, for me and for our business is, you know, we, we want to kind of expand our expert expertise. You know, we're building a, a, a frankly, a, a next generation portfolio in cybersecurity. So, you know, a lot of what we're going to be doing is technical leadership and software development and um, you know, for a services organization to move to software development, you know, it's a cultural uh, change and, and that require expertise and, and different types of uh, leadership and individuals. You know, we also want to internationalize the business. So that, that might be organic, organically, plus also investments in M&A. Um, and it just means that, you know, I constantly need to be stepping back a bit more and, and um, being able to focus on those types of things that will create shareholder value. And stakeholder value, um, and that just means more and more that the team have to execute and um, and allow me to step back to be able to uh, to, to do some of the other things that um, you know really a, a CEO is the only only role that can do right to focus on those kind of investment M and A uh, strategic aspects of uh, of what we want to do to transform the business. Perfect, really clear. Hey, John, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. If people want to find out a bit more about you or about Adama, how do they get in touch? Yeah, perfect. Have a look at www.adama.com. There's a contact us page, uh, you know, ping us a note and uh, we'll get straight back in touch. Perfect. Well, hey, John, it's been a real pleasure. I've loved uh, speaking, um, understanding a bit about this, this CEO learning curve you've been on and uh, and the really um, interesting, interesting things we've been t- talking right, about um, letting go, about remote work, about stakeholder management, you know, finding this link between the, the short term and the long term. I think some really helpful insights. So thanks once again for that. Perfect, Richard. And, uh, Thank you best. very much for, for having me. Take care. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, 
then visit us at xquadrant.com.